This is an Area Code podcast. Welcome back to Feel for the Game, the sports podcast where we talk about our feelings. I am Nick. And I am Noah. And it's been a little bit. We kind of went on a hiatus. Um, I went out to Colorado. Noah had to get tested for the great and mighty coronavirus. But now we're back. It came back negative, just so we're all clear. Uh, but yeah, now we're going to get to talk about sports instead of the election, because why would we talk about the election? We're a sports show, not a podcast show, or a podcast show, <laughs> not a politics <laughs> show. Yeah, despite our previous episodes that talk a lot about politics, <laughs> that is, you're, you're 100% right. And okay, so these podcast episodes come out every Tuesday, and the election, the 2020 election is tomorrow on Tuesday, November 3rd, when this comes out. Well, if, and so, I'll say if you're listening to it, it's today. It's Yeah, if you're listening to it, you're it's Tuesday. If, if you listen to it the day it came Tuesday. out, the election is happening. And if you're in the future, then you already know what happens. So here's the deal. We've talked about politics on the show as it's related to sports and our personal lives. And... But the the reality, at least for me, is that this 2020 election season has been really sucky and exhausting and anxiety inducing. And we, I need a distraction from that. I think Noah might feel the same way. I'm not sure. He's an eight on the Enneagram, oh, yeah, so he, he sure. actually might just want to go blow some shit up. Uh, but we just wanted to like... Kind of whoa, whoa, whoa. You're, make, you're making me sound like a Trump supporter. Oh, no, I meant blow some shit up, like tear the whole system down. Oh, that I do want to do. Burn it to the ground. Burn <laughs> Babylon down. That's what propaganda said. Oh, man, we're already we got to stop talking about politics. The point is, <laughs> we are trying to kind of do things that are going to bring us a little bit more life, a little bit more joy, a little less anxiety. So we're going to talk about our favorite moments. We're going to switch up the format a little bit and just talk about our favorite moments from the 2020, 2019, 2020 sports seasons. And we each brought three to the table. So Noah, you ready to, to do this? I am. I, I didn't know that we were counting 2019, 20 season or else I would have put a Kansas moment in here, but alas, no KU. Seasons overlap. I don't know. How do you, how else do you? I was doing calendar year. I was doing calendar year 2020. All right. Well, I think they're also relevant. Though, yeah, right? for sure. Yeah. Let's get into it. Who wants to go first? You or me? I'm going to go ahead and start because I'm talking right now with my third favorite sports thing of 2020 being that the Patriots suck. Ooh, there's actually kind of like political undertones to that statement, but the Patriots suck and I love everything about that. <laughs> What? Okay, so for people who are coming into the New England Patriots a little cold and don't know what you're talking about, just kind of lay some lay some groundwork a little bit. Yeah. So I actually think the Patriots are one of those things where most people know what I'm talking about when I say that because they've been so dominant over the last 20 years 
like even non-sports fans probably know or at least are familiar with the name Tom Brady. Uh, I guess what they may not know is that he left the Patriots to go to, to Tampa Bay because New England was like, you're old, we need to move on. We're going to go sign Cam Newton, who's a, a, a former MVP in the NFL. And uh, what happened was that we found out that Tom Brady was what made the Patriots good, not necessarily Bill Belichick. And with former MVP Cam Newton under center, they are, I believe, two and five, two and six maybe on the season. And they're losing in, in embarrassing ways. And it <laughs> just makes me very happy as a fan of the NFL. It really makes the only people it doesn't make happy are Boston sports fans. Everyone else yeah. who is a fan of football is a love. Even if they're like, you can be a New York Jets fan. They're in the same division. And you're okay that your team is 0 and 8 because you're only two <laughs> yeah. back of the Patriots. And like that never happens. Oh, yeah. So it's just a win for sports and for football in general that the Patriots are finally bad. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Like, yeah, like the Jets call out of being 0-8, but still like being happy that the Patriots suck is just hilarious and true. Um, I was going to say something, but I totally blanked after you brought up the Jets thing. (laughs) So, yeah, so that's one of the things in sports 2020 that makes me happy. Patriots are bad. And again, there are political undertones to be read into there. And I think that's funny. That was unintended. Okay, so this is what I was going to say. So I'm I'm conflicted on this. Like, I agree. It's fun. I'm happy and it is enjoyable to watch the Patriots lose. I'm tired of them always dominating headlines and everything, right? But, like, I have Cam Newton on my fantasy football team. So I'm conflicted, man. He got off to a really good start. Like the team wasn't having having success, but he mm-hmm. got off to a really hot start, and he's definitely cooled off. the The COVID coronavirus got to him. Um, you know, maybe maybe that has something to do with it. I don't know, but I'm conflicted on this. I I'm, I want to root for my guy Cam Newton, but I agree with you that it is so fun I mean, to watch them lose. What I'm hearing is that you're not good at fantasy football because you should have gotten rid of him immediately. I tried, man. I've been trying for weeks. It's not going well. Don't trade him. Just, just drop oh, him. No. I can... And then you can fully bask in the greatness that is the Patriots trash. I want to get some value for him, uh, some fantasy value for him. So I got to trade him. But I'll, I'll share my my third uh, favorite moment from this year and that we've talked about it before on the podcast but it's the last dance documentary um so this isn't necessarily a sport event or sport or sport moment except that it is a documentary about the 90 the 90s era chicago bulls and uh i just like really enjoyed watching it it was fun to watch it alongside the rest of the world when coronavirus was becoming like very, very serious in America and all of the actual sports just stopped happening. And so it was kind of the only thing we had to watch and it was lifeblood, man. Like it was so fun to like hear Jordan talk about things that he's never talked about in public before. It was so cool to to learn about that era of basketball and how different it was. And then also, I mean, there's like memes that have come out of that. So many iconic moments like the the security guard shrugging at Jordan is, I mean, that's like amazing footage. 
And I mean, even like Jordan's relationship with his dad, like learning more about that and how important that was to him, how much it impacted him was, it was just great, man. Like I loved every, every moment of that documentary. Yeah. It definitely was like a saving grace thriller. I think every sports fan (laughs) to get that right as quarantine kind of hit the hardest. Um, yeah, I loved it. Every every Sunday in that stretch, my wife and I would uh, bake cookies and then sit down and watch it. And that sounds really romantic. Uh, it was just like the pre-made cookies that you pop in. Like we weren't doing anything special. Just putting, just putting squares on a sheet. Um, <laughs> but for me, that's you're right. That is romantic for from for my standards. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, so I was just as wrapped up in it as you are. And yeah, like being on Twitter and stuff and just seeing the live reactions. Like I remember the first episode, they talked about doing a preseason game in Peoria and I grew up around Peoria. And so a lot of like the media and stuff that I follow is still Peoria area. And so my, like my timeline just blew up in a very weird niche way of like, Oh, there's a nice shout out to Peoria. Wasn't expecting that. Like the whole, the whole world just got to hear about Peoria and cocaine and how the bulls used to do that. That's my regions claim to fame and it's all thanks to quarantine that we got to see that yeah and it and i mean for better or for worse it also kind of revived the lebron versus jordan debate which we won't get into that debate but like just for what it's worth it did kind of bring that back to the surface and uh a lot of people got to argue about that which was fun so i was one of those people that were in plenty of arguments about that so i'm gonna jump to my number two which was the nba all-star game this year which if you aren't a fan of the nba you wouldn't know that the all-star game has traditionally just been it's been boring it's just been two teams not playing defense really which i mean why would you it's all-star game you're not going to go all out and risk getting injured or anything uh but the risk of that was losing viewership and just like, you know, you'd have games 185 to fucking 130 because one team would end up getting hot and the other team wouldn't be. Yeah. But no one was playing defense still. Um, so it was kind of boring. Like you, you tuned in to watch dunk contests, which even those were kind of going downhill and three point contests, which is more fun just because everyone in the NBA can shoot threes now. But yeah, like All-Star Weekend just kind of took a dip. Uh, except this year, the NBA did something that I have wanted in basketball at any and all levels for a couple years now, and that is they instituted what is called the ELAM ending, E-L-A-M, ELAM ending. And what that does is it erases the fourth quarter, or a time on the fourth quarter, and then they take the team with the highest score, and they add a number of points to it. So in this case, it was 24 to honor Kobe Bryant. And whatever the highest score plus 24 is, that's like your, that's what you're playing to. So if it's 100 to 95, it is first team to 124 wins. That can take as little or as long as possible. No win by two. It's just first to get to that point, total game's over. So it kind of gives it the stakes of a pickup game. And holy shit, did that cause the All-Star game to be enjoyable? Because you got to that fourth quarter and they were, I mean, I think they were trying to play to like 157. Like those teams were going at each other, trying to get to that point total. And I think they also had like charity involved this year. The winning team had a charity that was like 
was going to get X amount of dollars and the losing team's charity got like half of that or something. Yeah. But yeah, like just seeing those guys know like, this is how we win the game. We have to get to this point rather than, oh, there's only five minutes left and we're down 30. It's like, oh no, we're, we're down eight, but like, that's nothing. We can do that. And in fact, the team that was down, Team LeBron, came back and won. And it just made the, like, I can't imagine them going away from that, at least for the All-Star game in the foreseeable future, because it was so exciting. And that, like, if you're on Twitter, you saw everyone talking about how much they liked this year's All-Star game. And a huge part of that was the Elam. Yeah, 100%. It was, I, when you said that this was one of your favorite moments, I was like, like, I I couldn't believe that I forgot that this happened because the All-Star game, for the NBA this year was amazing. And it was a hundred percent because of the ending. Like it just made it much more interesting to watch. The players were clearly like competing a lot harder at the end of the game. And it just felt like it felt like basketball in its rawest form, which is pickup, right? Like pickup basketball at the end of the day mm-hmm. is that's basketball. Pickup is the rawest form of, of playing the game. And I feel like the Elam ending like really gets at that that reality so it was, it was fun man mm-hmm. i really enjoyed it yeah shout out to the basketball tournament which is kind of what brought that to a like a national stage which the basketball tournament is a as you might guess basketball tournament <laughs> uh where all the players or all the teams are competing for a million dollars and most of the teams are comprised of alumnus from certain schools or maybe they are all just from like the same town so you know you get like a team that is all guys that went to the University of Illinois and maybe one of them played in 2005 national championship team. The other one played in 2012 and then, you know, whatever, but it's just, that's the makeup of the teams. Uh, and they use the Elam ending and it just made it like, what's the most exciting play in basketball, a game winning shot. What does the Elam ending do? Makes every game end on a game winning shot. And the, the basketball tournament recognized that. And that's why people care. They, like, you're watching these guys who weren't good enough to play pro play this tournament because it's so exciting. And that's because of the Elam ending. I sure. like legitimately yeah. want to see this become a, a normal thing in basketball. Like I would love to see it won't happen, but I would love it if the NCAA was like, you know what? Every game ends on a, on a, on a game winning shot. So the second half is actually technically only 18 minutes. And then, we turn the clock off at that point, and if whatever the score is, add 15 points. First team to that number wins. So you could be down 50, and you still have, it doesn't matter how much time, like, or it doesn't matter. It, it, I mean, that's I guess that's the end of my statement. It doesn't matter. You always have a chance to win because you know what you're trying to get to before the other team. Whereas with the time limit, you know, you hit two-minute mark and you're down 50. It's like, okay, well, the game's over. Nope, get rid of that. Elam ending. You always have a chance to win. Yeah, for sure. And, like, honestly, this – this upcoming basketball se- season for the NBA and the NCAA and maybe even the WNBA. Well, their their season starts a lot later, so they might not have to worry about certain things. But like this feels like the right mm-hmm. season to try something like that, right? Like it's it's going to be a shortened season anyway. Sure. Things are going to be different because of COVID still playing a, a role. And so it's like, why not try something new and see how it plans out plays out like the the bubble was kind of like that and it worked out great so why not try why not try something new with the format so we'll see if it happens that's all i want yeah like let's give it a try but okay i'm gonna go into my number two favorite moment from this year which is the chicago white Sox 
making the playoffs. Um, we haven't talked a lot about baseball in this podcast, but I've been a Chicago White Sox fan my entire life. My best, most important sports memory that I've had in my entire life was watching the White Sox win the World Series in 2005. And it has been a rough go ever since 2005 because the White Sox have only made the playoffs <laughs> once after that until this this year, which made it number their second playoff appearance in 15 years. Um, so I am super excited. They have been rebuilding for a couple years now, and it's it really is starting to feel like the rebuild is complete. Um, the team, the team chemistry is amazing. We have really talented young stars, Yoan Makata, Tim Anderson, uh, Jose Abreu is not young anymore, but he's the leader of the ball club. Y'all just signed Tony Larusa as your manager. Yeah. So, and that is an interesting thing for them to have done. So here's what I'd like to say to that, Noah, please do not bring me down right now. I'm happy. The White Sox just made the playoffs. Hey, Tony Larusa is a noted Chicago Cubs killer. So if anything, you've got that going for you with the signing. <laughs> I just want to say, so I'm very excited because they made the playoffs. They have a young team that's really talented. They'll have to figure out some starting pitching. I think that's kind of the biggest weak spot for the team. But I'm just, I'm excited about the future for this, for this Chicago White Sox team. The one thing mm-hmm. I am a little nervous about is the Tony La Russa hire, not because he's not a great manager. He obviously has a lot of success in his background. Um, but from everything I've read and learned about, like he is not in tune with for baseball, things like the, the unwritten rules, right? Like that he's very old school and that might not mesh well with the young roster that we have. So we'll see. But I'm excited that they made By it saying out. he's old school, what you actually mean for those unfamiliar is that he's a million years old. And so he acts the way you would expect a man who is a million years old to act. But yeah, I mean, the verdict is out, right? We have to see what happens when the season comes around. And from yeah. what it sounds like, none of the players on the team were consulted, which kind of sucks, especially when you have such a, a close, tight-knit group. And young stars, like you kind of want to make sure that they're on board, but we'll see. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, yeah, White Sox made the playoffs this year. They got bounced right away, but the fact is they made the playoffs. And I think next year will be a really good season for them as well, hopefully. I will be rooting for the Kansas City Royals out of that division, but you could have guessed that. Yeah, I guess we'll just move on right along here to my number one, which is no surprise Kansas City won the Super Bowl this year. That feels like, and I guess I, I mean, I, that feels like so. <laughs> like it happened ago. a decade ago. Yeah, dude, it feels like that was <laughs> yeah. like three years ago. Yeah, not only like it was in February, like late February that that happened. Crazy. Yeah, so I mean, I could just leave it there, but I'll say specifically what I loved about their run was the game against Houston, which, for those who do not know, Kansas City's first game of the playoffs. It was a home game against the Houston Texans, and they immediately started pissing down their leg, gave up a really long touchdown, and then they drop like five passes on the next drive and have to punt it. That punt gets blocked and returned for a touchdown. And then same thing, they drop a bunch of passes, have to punt again, 
Houston gets a, a touchdown. Kansas City gets a stop their next time out, forces a Houston punt. Tyreek Hill fumbles the punt return. Houston picks it up, immediately get a touchdown. And then late first quarter, early second quarter, kick a field goal, 24-0. And as a Kansas City fan, <laughs> I mean, the, uh, yeah, heartbroken. Like I, I have seen Kansas City lose these games before at home, and it was like, oh my gosh, they're about to just go out with the best offense in football. They're going to score like seven points and lose this game like 35 to seven. Ridiculous. Instead, McCole Hardman takes the kickoff like 60 yards and gives the, the, the offense some life. And by halftime, Kansas City is winning 28 to 24. In like 10 in game minutes, they were down, they went from 24 nothing to 28 24, end up winning the game 51 to 31. Like that's just obscene. I think they had like, seven or eight straight drives, if I'm doing math correctly, where they scored. I think it was six straight drives or seven straight drives with a touchdown. And then they had a field goal in there and then another touchdown or something like that. Like just absolute bonkers stuff. And it was, they had to come back from, yeah, they had to come back from 10 down the following week against Tennessee. And then they had to come back from 10 down against the Niners in the Super Bowl. So just a lot of comebacks. It, Took a couple of years off my life, but I am willing to trade those years <laughs> of living for that Super Bowl win. It's crazy, man. Like, yeah, I was just going to say, I feel like moments like that, you realize when it's somebody's year, it's their year. And it was Kansas City's year. And then on the other side of that, I think it speaks to the Houston Texans sort of how bad they are. I mean, they suck this season. And I think that was maybe the writing on the wall, that game where they let Kansas city come back from so far behind. So interesting. Yeah, for sure. Okay. My number one, I'm going NBA, uh, Damian Lillard for some reason that none of us will ever understand or be able to comprehend. He decided to just become otherworldly for a stretch of six games. And it might be, the most impressive six game stretch in the history of the NBA. I wanna, so just so we can refresh ourselves. So January 20th, Damian Lillard plays the Golden State Warriors who are not very good this past season, but he dropped 61 points, seven assists and 10 rebounds in that game. And then the five games following, he scores 47, 50, 36, 48, and 51. And in the meantime, he's averaging. So so his average over the course of those six games ends up coming out to 48 points a game, 10 assists a game, seven rebounds, one steal. And he did that while shooting 55% from the field and 57% from three. I, I cannot begin to understand how that happened and what those numbers don't even show you is the how close some of those games were at the end because even this this, despite how amazingly he played the trailblazers weren't very good this year so they were in a lot of close games and what you don't see in those numbers are the clutch shots and the clutch plays that he (laughs) made in that six game stretch to beat teams like la who went on to be the nba champs this year to beat the Houston Rockets and the Utah Jazz, another good team, another two good teams in the West. 
And I believe he beat uh, Indiana and Denver in that stretch too, or maybe Denver was the was right after. Um, so he just, I mean, he was he went crazy for six games, and I think it was just amazing to watch. I don't know if you caught any of those games. I hope you did, but they were each one of them were just like art. It's like when when people do that kind of stuff, we like to say that people like to say that they put up video game numbers. And that was true for like the first game, maybe the first two in that stretch. Once he stretched it out to like three, four, five, six games, it wasn't video game numbers anymore because that shit's hard to do in a video game. Like my player on NBA 2K can't average those averages over a six yeah. game stretch. Yeah. Like maybe maybe if I put the difficulty all the way down and bump up some sliders, but if I'm playing on Hall of Fame, it's gonna be damn hard for me to average fifty five shooting or fifty five percent from three and however many points he had. Like that dude was otherworldly and doing stuff that you can't even do in a video game. Like it was absurd. Yeah, it's insane, and I think I think it solidifies. What I, I I think Damian Lillard is the best point guard in the NBA right now. I know that Steph Curry was hurt for most of the 2020 NBA season, but I I just think like I'm not sure it's a question right now that Damian Lillard is the best point guard in the league, and I cannot wait to watch him play more basketball next year. I mean, it was it was amazing. So that's my favorite moment. Those that six game stretch, the deep threes, the dunking on people. I mean, so so many highlights, the clutch plays. It, I don't know. Just yeah, just go do yourself a favor and just go type in on YouTube Damian Lillard highlights and just have fun because it's worth the time. Hundred percent. Yeah. Okay, so those are our favorite moments. So again, real quick, we got the last dance. The White Sox are good. Damian Lillard's hot streak. Kansas City Chiefs playoff run we got the nba all-star game which is also worth i don't know what the highlights are on the internet for that but that's also worth going back and checking out and then what was your what was your last your, the first one that you gave noah the patriots are bad at football. oh yeah i forgot how bad the patriots were yes yeah they suck we're happy about that though so that's where we're at ecstatic okay so we'll leave you with some a couple takeaways. Uh, so normally we talk about how different moments in sports have affected us personally, uh, how they've affected culture and, and how they've affected the sport itself. So we'll leave you with three of our kind of biggest takeaways from the moments that we share today. Uh, Noah, do you want to go first? Do you want to start with maybe the sports category? I'm going to do like a brief summation on each of them on how I think they impact sports. The NBA All-Star Game, I think, was changed from this year and that we will continue to see the Elam ending and that we will see conversations moving forward on changing the way basketball is played at the end of games because of that. For the Patriots being bad, how that affected sports, every sports fan in the world is very happy this year, minus Boston area teams, and I think that's phenomenal. And the Kansas City run, listen to our first episode if you want to hear me talk about how that impacted sports. Yeah, that's a great episode. And we also talk a lot about politics and other things on that episode. I am I love that episode. That's a fun one. Uh, 
Okay, my my biggest biggest takeaway for sports is what I just said like a couple minutes ago is that Damian Lillard is the best point guard in the NBA. If you're a casual sports fan or you just listen to this podcast for me and Noah to kind of talk about our emotions and how things make us feel, we love you. We're glad that you're listening. But this take is is for the the NBA fan right now. I I know that Steph Curry is before this season the greatest point guard in the league, but I think there's an argument to be made right now for Damian Lillard. And I think just in general, he the the the, the baton might be getting passed at this point. We'll see. Steph Curry could come back and and be Steph Curry for sure. But right now it's Damian Lillard and it's not even close to me. Yeah. And number two is Devontae Graham, but we don't need to get into that. <laughs> I could get behind that a little. I think I can <laughs> moving on to the cultural question. Um, my biggest takeaway from the the three moments that I share is the last dance, how how just important that moment was for for all of us with uh specifically sports fans just having actual games taken away from us there sort of needed to be something to fill the void and then here comes the last dance push pushed up from the original date that it was supposed to come out and it was just like it was lifeblood man like it gave everybody something to listen to something to talk about it created a whole world of memes that are still being used and thrown around today and i mean yeah, it's just it's Jordan, right? It's Michael Jordan, arguably the most uh what's the word? When people know you. <laughs> arguably famous. the most famous uh <laughs> person. I mean, just full stop. Like you could say Michael Jordan's name almost in any context and, and someone everybody would know who you're talking about. So yeah, it was a big deal. What's your what's your biggest takeaway for the cultural side? Again, I'm I'm just gonna go through them all quickly. Again, what are my thoughts on Kansas City Super Bowl run? Listen to the first episode. NBA All Star Game, probably not much of a cultural impact outside of the basketball world. Patriots. Uh, oh, go ahead. I was just gonna Speak add to the All Star Game. Well, I mean, you have this like sort of uh, back this narrative behind it, right? Of Kobe Bryant's death, which we haven't talked about on this show. But I mean, part of the inspiration for the Elam ending and the and it being up to twenty four uh, points at that at that point of the game was to honor Kobe. So there is c- sort of that at the backdrop of the All Star game. So culturally, that that was a big deal. Obviously, we lost a legend, an NBA legend, but even more than that, what from all that we were able to see as me and Noah, right? Like a good husband, a good dad, uh, a mentor to so many people. So culturally that did, that was kind of there at the, uh, beneath the surface of the all-star game. Yeah, that's a good point. And then lastly, cultural, the Patriots being bad. That's like the most popular team in America because they've been so good for so long. And now there's a lot of people who are bandwagon fans who've never been to Boston in their life who look like dumbasses from being fans of a shitty team. And that makes me happy. <laughs> I love that for you, man. Okay. Um, personally, my biggest takeaway from all of this uh, is the White Sox being good. 
I am so happy that they're good again. It's it's really been a long time. And I don't just mean that because they made the playoffs. Like you can watch this team and tell like they are on the on the rise and they're gonna be really, really competitive for what I think is years to come. Um and I think personally, like I'm actually really sad that uh COVID is a reality because there's nothing I want to do more right now than buy tickets to a White Sox game and go see them play on opening day, but I'm not positive that that will be an option. So we'll see. Yeah, for sure. Uh, personally, I hate the Patriots. And so it's personally fun for me to see them be bad. Uh, the all-star game was just a really fun experience to watch a, the game. I love B, uh, an ending that I have just been interested in for a long time and C, just watching it. It was just a fun experience that I am glad I actually got to watch it. And Kansas City Houston slash Kansas City overall. Again, listen to the first episode. A lot of I didn't realize how much we would uh be sponsoring episode one of this podcast. I'm I'm kinda into it. Hey, there's someone's gonna listen to this for the first time on this episode. And I just wanna make sure that they understand to go back and listen. I did I did have an honorable mention that I forgot to mention. There's an that was a dumb sentence, but there's no way else to say it. Uh, when quarantine did first hit and all the sports got canceled, ESPN was like, hey, let's do a horse competition uh, over Zoom with like a bunch of WNBA players, NBA players. And it was about as bad as you would expect a Zoom call horse game to be. Um, it was very glitchy. Uh, video feeds were cutting out, skipping ahead couldn't always make out what people were saying and also like the talent level of the people participating was pretty low like i don't think they cared a whole lot and so they weren't trying very hard and it was just it was a shit show man but i watched all of it because it was sports and i just needed something to to watch so i'm almost embarrassed that i watch it watched it but uh it was uh it was an awkward but fun viewing experience i don't do you remember that did you know about that at all oh i i am very aware of what you're talking about and i did not waste my time watching it (laughs) i was here for it man i knew it was going to be weird i knew it was going to be glitchy but i just i wanted some some basketball in my life at that moment so it was it was fun i'm glad that you're able to have that i'm glad that i didn't all right i think i think that's it we want to know, let us know your favorite moments. If you have something from the 2020 season, even the 2019 seasons, let us know what are some of your favorite sports moments of, of late on Instagram at feel for the game pod. And I think same thing on Twitter. So hit us up. Thanks for listening. Any uh, parting words, Noah? Um, I guess, yeah, it's election day. Let's just bring it full circle with a nice hearty uh, fuck Donald Trump. Feel for the Game is an Area Code production. Produced and edited by Nick Thompson and Noah Kirby. Follow Feel for the Game on Instagram at Feel for the Game Pod. And to learn more about Feel for the Game and Area Code, visit areacodenetwork.com.
This is an area code podcast.